Do your kids know about anti-Semitism? Albert, with your new mustache, I don't think now is the best time to start talking about anti-Semitism. Well, maybe. Maybe it's just a Charlie Chaplin mustache. Did you ever think about that? Maybe it's just something that I thought would maybe brighten things up a little bit or a challenge to myself to make me a better person or to make me funnier. I mean, you'd have to be funny to have a mustache like this. Or maybe I just like the way that it feels or looks or... Does it have to be associated with a bad thing? And we need to figure out how to do that. How to, like, put mile markers or to kind of disassociate certain things from our history rather than just destroying them. Because we don't get to just destroy them. I'm curious what happened after World War II. How they got people to stop hating the Jews. I'm sure there's a better way to put that. But there had to have been, like, a pretty significant time span where Germany itself was working on this as well as being observed by I'm sure a large portion of the rest of the world where they you know couldn't just hate them so openly and eagerly where they had to start saying things like can you please get the fuck out of my store Jew and stuff like that like I I would like to see that time period after World War II where they were working on recovering from war and whatever else they maybe needed to recover from. And I think that, you know, maybe I would be good at teaching kids about anti-Semitism. And I think I could also help teach kids about uh, objectifying women. Because I'm really good at that. Not to justify a shitty thing, but... I think that there has to be some allowance for artists to do that because sometimes you do have to take a complex thing and kind of analyze and reduce it and simplify it. And you do that by seeing it as shape and by seeing it as line because it helps you understand that way you're able to accurately capture it and able to accurately portray other things that you want to develop and render correctly and to express your artistic liberties. But that aside, art aside, yes, sometimes I uh, do objectify women because sometimes there are some women where the only good thing I think about them is that they have a nice ass or something. And I do still see that as a good thing because rather than just hating them entirely or not caring about them, I have found a good part to that person. I have found something to like about that person. And you can do the same thing with me. You can say, that's a really shitty idea, Albert. That's a shitty view to have and a shitty way to look at things and to teach other people how to be. But you can still like my art. You can still like me even as a person and just acknowledge that this is just kind of one spot, one kind of blemish. And that, you know, the eight episodes we have prior to this, if not more history in knowing one another, that... You can trust me on more than just saying one bad thing, but, I mean, can we even, like, trust, trust anymore? You can't have your cake and eat it, too. That's another one of those expressions that I don't like and that I have to overanalyze and overthink, but I like it in this context because 
It correlates with trust now because we can't even trust cake anymore. Like cake used to be something that was unifying where it didn't matter if we liked or trusted somebody. If there was cake, we came for the cake. People would always come for cake. But now we have these people and they make these incredible cakes that look so realistic that people don't know their cakes until they're cutting into them. And they're like, whoa, I thought that was a roll of toilet paper. But it's a fucking cake. So now not only can you not have your cake and eat it too, but now you can't have your trust and eat that too. Do people eat trust? I think it requires trust to eat something that somebody has made. And I think that my doctor doesn't trust me. Which is fucked up because I think I require a lot more trust. I have to trust my doctor a lot more than my doctor has to trust me. Especially because my doctor happens to be a Jew. Available space. Or it's space available. You know those like empty corporate buildings that they built with nothing there just to put that sign on the window. Just to have that open area that could be something. I was looking at one of these places last night and of course I started getting ideas about the phrase and about the space and what I could do with it. I started filling in my available space with ideas I had of how if I had this place that it could be available to me once a month to bring an old landline phone with actual coiled cord, plug it into the wall, just sit there on the floor, maybe with a bottle of whiskey, maybe with a cigar or two, and see if anybody calls the number and what kind of ideas they might have, how they have something to fill the space, this available space, and just fill it up with other people's dreams and to never really ever rent it out, to just keep it as an available space, an open, empty thing that can occasionally be inhabited by the ideas, the aspirations of any random onlooker outside. On my phone, seeing through, speaking through, living through, digitally, but just sitting here with metal, glass, and plastic technology, technically, I'm on the toilet, gotta poop, gotta pee, exposed like a shitting duck, but my phone's with me. As I empty my bowels, people empty their minds in a digital reality. Really. I want to go home. I want to go phone. I phone home, E.T. I don't belong to this life, to this mind, to this body, or this time, but I'm here and I'm trying to see. Through the static, through the buzz, through the clicks, cliques, and stares, the unaware, ignorant bliss, and no care or fucks given, just taken, taken fucks, fucks taken, and fucking mistaken. What's in my head, what's around me, and what can't be seen, felt, heard, smelled, or tasted 
In a life as busy as bees, phones flying around, hive-minding, high-fiving, technologically, making honey, getting stuck on my phone. All right, I'm pretty excited about this because I finally got somebody else to come on and be here on the show. And not just that, this person is a bit of a celebrity, kind of a big deal. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce this dude, Sylvester Stallone. Is yeah, not a potato, huh? What? It's not a potato. It's a, the, the potato is not a potato. <laughs> yeah. What? The potato is not a potato. It's the when you're the. The fuck are you? The potato? Are you saying the potato? It's not a potato. The potato is not a potato. It's a f- Stop. Okay? Just. I thought, you know, maybe he is more than sweaty and strong and, you know, uh, you had a stroke. Right? Uh, potato, no. You're a potato, okay? You're the fucking potato. How about that? How about you just... Just go, man. It's... This isn't good. This isn't what I want. The potato. No, wait, actually. You don't have to leave. Just sit in the corner for a little bit. Just... You're in timeout, okay? See? This is why I waited. This is why I was worried about having anybody else on the show, because something like this was going to happen, or the opposite, I'd overcorrect the other way, and I'd just stuff it all down inside me. Or, if I actually did get to a point where I was, like, being, like, genuinely nice, and I was, like, genuinely happy, it would probably just come across as being sarcastic. It would seem, like, disingenuine, like I was doing, like, a satire of, like, a kind person. At least that's how it is when I... I'm actually nice with my friends most of the time. I want this to be the next thing that I love. Or at the very least, to finally just be something that matches what I put into it. That matches the amount of time and energy and effort that I put into it. There's an equal thing for me to observe, to see... That's me. That's what I did. Instead of all the other things that I've done that with, instead of all the time I've spent in jobs or a career where I invested a lot and it didn't turn out how I wanted it, and I didn't have very much to show for it other than my own silver linings and positive outlooks and lessons I had learned from experience. And the same with some relationships that I've had with people. And I don't like that approach. I don't like that view or mindset, that takeaway from human interaction that it's based on or evaluated with whatever was taken away from it. But that's the reason why we choose to interact with other people, isn't it? is so that we have some kind of something. Those were the only things I ever liked about the philosopher Immanuel Kant, because I, I just, I didn't like his ideas, I didn't like the way he presented his arguments, but 
he did point out, and I agree with him, and I believe that he said this accurately, that no matter what we do, when we have other people in our life, in some way, we are using them. Because you just can't have any type of human interaction that in some way isn't, at the very least, using another person for either emotional or mental or moral support or something. It's just inevitable. No matter how good-intentioned or righteous you may be or intend to be or actually are, it's going to happen. It's bound to happen. I hope everybody had a good 9-11, though. I hope everybody remembered to remember and did something fun or memorable. I was thinking of maybe making some cakes, like two cakes, like two tall cakes and some cookies, maybe shaped like airplanes and dunking the cookies in the cakes. Gentle hair defined by coarse hands, and there's a man down an alley throwing towels into a bin. The momentum of the towel is as much its own as the toss from the gentle-haired man with coarse hands as he remembers the gospel echoing down brick. He sneers as he imagines a choir building a house, and a puddle reflects the insects overhead. Intersections are quiet these days. Traffic thrusts randomly and is amplified by absence as souls autopilot drifting through daylight and beams of night. The streets and sidewalks smells they never knew they missed. Coarse hands cast the butt of a cigarette, smoldering like the lingering aspirations of a child with much gentler hair and disposition. Standing strains the discomfort felt when sitting, as shifting from one foot to another creates momentum once again. A community spreads slowly from the smoke-passing towels. Man, this episode got kind of weird and kind of destructive this week. I didn't set out to be, but maybe that's what happens with, like, terrorists, you know? You just want to feel something. You want to create feelings in other people, and before you know it, you're hating the Jews and hating women and being mean to Sylvester Stallone and telling people to forget 9-11. I wanted to go back and just get all the stuff that I'd missed, all the questions I had intentionally left open-ended or just never answered. I wanted to get the material that I'd been thinking about week to week and finally get that into the mix and get that cleared out of my head. I wanted to maybe compile some stuff together for next episode, you know, to do something special. But basically at this point, I'm trying to get closure on this section of the podcast so far. I want to tie up any loose ends. I want to get rid of the old material that's floating around in my head or floating around on pieces of paper where it's written. Just get it to stop blocking me off because I think like that's what it's become at this point. I have all this stuff that I wanted to do and I just never found the right fit for it. 
So now rather than being inspiring and like a good idea or something, it's just like this like lingering thing that just like keeps blocking my creative process. And I think that's what happened with this week. I think that even though I had all this extra time off of work and I even got to see one of my friends that I hadn't seen in like eight months, that I still just like did not find the energy and ideas and inspiration to really tie this episode together and that's why it's like after eight o'clock almost nine o'clock now and I'm still trying to put the finishing touches on things so that it it's worth listening to I just saw this Louis CK video where he was talking about how George Carlin had actually inspired that in him because Louis C.K. started doing stand-up straight out of high school. And I guess he was doing, like, the same material for, like, 15 years. And he hated it. And then he was listening to George Carlin. And he heard him talking about how he comes up with new material and why and everything. And how he does a new special every year. So that he can throw out his old material. So that he knows he has to dig deeper to find new material. And even though I just saw this, and even though this was back around the time that George Carlin died, I had heard Louis say in another thing, it was this like documentary with Jerry Seinfeld, Chris Rock, Ricky Gervais, I think it's called Talking Funny, it's an HBO special, and it's really good if you're interested in comedy stuff, but in there they were talking about different ways of doing things, this concept of keeping old material, developing new stuff, and Louis mentioned that one of the strategies he started doing at one point was to start with his best bit. He would begin a show with his favorite, funniest bit that got the best laugh because most comedians will save that for the end because that's a good way to end. And he knew that if he started with that, it pushed him to be stronger, that he'd have to have a better set after that if he was using his best thing first. So, I mean, I love both those guys. George Carlin was my first favorite stand-up comedian and a huge influence on the way that I think and the way that I try to speak and a lot of my humor, as well as Louis C.K. now being one of, if not, my favorites. Yeah, but why did you tell those people? Did I tell you you could get out of timeout? Shut up, Sylvester. The reason I'm talking about this is because I know you guys aren't into the comedy side of stuff, but you should know at this point now that when I get into something like this and I start obsessing over it and making it like my life, then I start building philosophies with it because I'm a philosopher at heart. It's something that just happens naturally. I like to have understanding with the things that I do. I don't like to just act blindly and float about. I mean, I'm open to that, but I like when things happen to understand why I might have responded or done the things that I did in regards to those things happening. And it helps me to talk about it. So I hope that if you're the type of person that chooses to listen to me, it helps you to hear about that. And if not, then fuck, man. You have a better chance just hanging out in the corner with Sylvester, I guess. 
I'm sorry, Sylvester. I appreciate you. I thank you for coming and being a part of this. And I'm sure that it meant the world to the listeners out there. And hopefully somebody is going to want some kind of something for next Sunday, 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 our Wacky Tacky Super Duper Mega 10th episode, episode, episode. But seriously, I hope that the time I spent this week jacking off makes it good. Or that I just feel a little better, possibly. Or who knows what can happen. We're just going to have to wait till then to see, I suppose. We walk, good and bad, a fine line, arrogant and proud. The more you see of both sides of the line, justice and revenge, the more you see there isn't much of a line, discrimination and equality. We walk a fine line, faith and fact. Is there really a line, emotion and logic? Are there peaks and valleys, destruction and creation? Or is it all a plane, one fine line, that we give a different name, while in one direction, we walk. I'm going to give you the option to end this episode now with that as the last note, with that in mind, with a sentimental something to think about, or just a bit more of a calm, collected ending, if you would like. I will bid you adieu, and wish you the best. If you want something a little more, something that I think is about like the equal opposite of that, well, cascades of rapturous flatulence ricochet off sparkling porcelain, quivered trembles whisper sweetly to soft sputters, slip singing to divine waters that reflect radiance, plunks and plops float like a feather suspended on properties of buoyancy. Elegance eludes aesthetic. Moments only until the turn of a handle flushes more than emotion and idea away from flush. And that's, that's going to have to do it for me this week. I don't think I can twist up any more stuff or shimmy on out anything worthwhile and i've told you that i'm not gonna waste your time i am sorry that i was late on this week but i did get it done i did get it recorded here at 9 15 and i'm gonna edit and master and upload and all that stuff so thank you guys for your patience if you were patient or maybe you just listen another day doesn't matter if you listen, I appreciate you, and looking forward to next week. Burr.